Uh, we will not have prayer tomorrow night. So we've got a leadership meeting set up so you guys can have the night off, but we will do prayer Wednesday night. So if you can make, a, make that, that would be great. Um, and then again, I want to announce March 7th, we will have a training meeting for our ushers and our greeters that day. We will provide food for you. Um, so we'll just stick around right after church on that day and eat. And then we'll get in here. We'll go over a few things. We'll, we'll do some of the stuff for, that involves everybody. And then we'll let the greeters go. And we'll finish up with some more stuff for the ushers and security guys that day. So please mark your calendars if you're one of those departments to plan to attend that. Um, other than that, we're going to get into worship here this morning. So <clears throat> let's just pray and do that. Father, we thank you the opportunity this morning to be able to come into your presence together as one family. We declare that our hearts are united and we declare that we shall worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to come and have your way this morning. Help us to worship our Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you some context before we start this first song. This first song is less than two hours old. God's doing something new. Not just in me, but in you. And he wants to do more new things. Like we talked about on Wednesday, it's called insanity when you do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. We have to do something new in our worship spirit and in truth that's who God's looking for I encourage you to worship from your spirit worship from your heart I believe God's going to be pouring out more new songs you might come here on a Sunday and not know any of the songs here but you can know them here and that's how you're going to have to worship that's how we're going to have to worship let's let him do what he wants to this morning We say, lift Jesus high. The walls fall down. Let your spirit rise. Your power be displayed. Every time we say, lift Jesus high. Oh, so 
every time we say Jesus high. Come on, lift him up. With the walls Saturday night because we had church of course the next day and in the dream I was running throughout the church can I use you as an example and everybody was standing there like this and I throw up their hands and then I go to the next one I throw up their hands I throw up their hands I throw up their hands now just so you understand the spirit of God doesn't force you and I to do anything The Bible, we stir up the gift individually. We stir up. You and I are responsible to stir up the gift. Paul told Timothy, stir up those gifts by praying in the Holy Ghost or worshiping God. 
Now, I'm, I'll tell you, that, that before we even started service, the anointing of God was here. I look back once in a while. You wonder why I'm looking back. Just to watch you. See, the shepherd's supposed to look at the sheep. I'm the shepherd. You're the sheep. And I watch how, and I realize, well, I'm, I just, I'm not very emotional. Well, I'm married to a woman like that. She doesn't show any emotion. That's just the way God created her. But she understands how to worship in spirit and truth. You know, for her to stand up here and clap is a miracle. And then I look back and some of you are just standing there. And you say, well, I'm worshiping in spirit. I'm not worshiping in... Well, you need to notify your face and your body. I mean, the reason we stand up here and do this because I'm a leader. It's not hard when you follow the leader. As I follow the leader. He, he's the ultimate leader. And let me tell you folks. I realize. there are t- If you knew how many times I'd come on a Sunday morning. And didn't feel like preaching to you. Didn't feel like opening the book. But you know what? I have to take authority over my feelings. Maybe you didn't have a good week. Maybe you've been arguing with your mate. Maybe the, the boss has been mad at you. Maybe things haven't gone the way you thought. But it doesn't make any difference if you'll just take the initiative and stir yourself up. Now, I don't, ex- I don't expect you to swing from the fans and do cartwheels. But my God, people, if you can't clap your hands, Okay, so we're going to go back to this first song again. You're looking at me like, is he scolding me? No, I mean, the Bible calls it admonishing. It's called exhortation. It's called encouraging you. Say, I really love the pastor's wife, but I don't know about the pastor. Let's try it again. Got to oil the machine a little bit. Those words aren't an accident. I got those this morning driving in my truck, not even playing my guitar. Those words are not an accident. Those words are for us. Those words are for you and I. Let the walls fall. I don't know what the wall is in your life. Let it fall. Let the Spirit of God rise up in your life, in you, inside of you, inside of this church. Let your power be displayed in my life through me. Let it happen. Every time I say, Jesus, be exalted. Jesus, I lift you up. Let those things happen every single time we sing that, every single time we say that. with some attitude for town with your spirit right 
realize, get that inside you, and let your power be displayed. I'm
loves you. Put those lyrics up. I'm worthy. His love is greater than any of our mistakes. Any of our failings, any of our shortcomings, any of our wrongs, any of our sins. You and I are worthy because of his love. You and I are chosen. We are not accidents. We are not mistakes. We have been redeemed. By the perfect love of Jesus. You are righteous. You are holy. You are accepted. You are loved. You are a son. You are a daughter most high God and there was nothing there was no one there was no thing that can come between you and the father who created you the father who loves you there was nothing that can separate us there's no power there's no darkness there is no shame there is nothing that can separate us from the love of our heavenly father it never ends, it never stops, it never quits, it never fails. It is unstoppable, it is unbreakable, it is unshakable, it is undeniable. The love that he has for you. Let this be a song of rejoicing as we sing about his love. Let your heart flow with gratitude because of his love. Oh! 
and the thoughts you have towards me. Yes, I'm worthy. I'm chosen. And I know I've been redeemed by the perfect love of Jesus and the thoughts you have towards me. Everyone say that. I'm worthy. I'm chosen. I know I've been redeemed by the perfect love of Jesus and the thoughts that you have towards me. Oh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. You know each individual heart, every need present, Holy Spirit, minister to us the Father's grace this day. Show us His ways, lead us in His truth, teach us, Holy Spirit. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Jesus, we exalt you. Jesus, we exalt you this morning. Thank you, Lord. We press in. We press in. We're not satisfied, Father. We want more. More of you. We want to know you, Father, more intimately. We want to walk in the fear of you more and more each day. Lord, we want to be used. Vessels of honor, sanctified and useful for the Master and prepared for every good work up ahead. Oh Lord, turn our hearts individually. Turn this church corporately in the direction you would have us to go we love you and we honor you this morning Lord Jesus bless your holy name Carol can I pray for you today I've had you on my heart ever since we came would you stand out here please amen Father I thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke know, Lord, what she needs. You know all that's going on. And you are the Prince of Peace in her life and her family. In the name of Jesus, we loose that supernatural peace today. No fear, no anxiety, just supernatural peace. receive that. That's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Kathy, come here. Strength. Strength. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You love her with an everlasting love. The thoughts that you think towards her are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give her a future hope and expected end. And Lord, she shall fulfill her destiny in you. In the name of Jesus.
I bind Satan. I bind anything that would come in this hour to distract her, to hinder her from walking in your fullness. And I plead the blood over her spirit, soul, mind, will, and emotions, her physical being in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. See, when when we worship like that and we press in, it creates an atmosphere. The anointing of God is released to minister to you individually. That's why worship is so, so important, people. Can I say something and not hurt your feelings? Okay. See, when I ask questions, I just want some affirmation. (laughs) If you don't worship God like this during the week, you'll come in here on Sunday and it won't be any different. The Spirit of God is calling you and wooing you back to that place of intimacy. There are times of refreshing, the Bible says, that come from being in the presence of God. But folks, if you don't fulfill your spiritual responsibilities every day, don't expect a magic wand on Sunday morning. It will not happen. God is a God of grace. And He's a God of mercy. But He expects us to grow up in Him. He loves us. And if if we could only recognize and, you know discern what's ahead see in the days ahead it's going to be like this it's going to be hard for me to continue it's the way it's going to be that's why you need leadership in the church and pastors just to lead and guide and point the way to Jesus make sure the flocks being fed but there's, there's, a, there's days coming where it's going to be a 180 degree turn. And I'm telling you this. I'm, I'm just preparing you for what's coming in the days ahead. It's not going to be church as usual. So I encourage you. Please make an effort every day to get into the Bible and, 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 and put on a CD or, or, or just get alone with God and worship your Creator. He loves, he loves it when we worship Him. And I know, folks, there are days I do not feel like doing it. But I, that's where maturity comes. A mature Christian will say, bless God, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going, this body is going to worship God. I am going to lift my hands. I am going to lift my voice. I am going to pray. It's a decision. Make that decision, folks. Every day. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.
Okay, when I'm not telling stories, I'm supposed to be teaching about finances. Finances is such an integral part of our lives. God is not against finances. He's the one that created them. He wants us to have finances. He wants our needs met. He wants the people around us to have our needs met. And in the word of God, it just, throughout the word of God, it talks about finances and how to deal with our finances. And this should be evident, but but our finances are not to be used for things like murdering babies, not to be used for censoring speech, not be used for promoting tyranny in one world governments. It's to promote the gospel and to the kingdom of God and to help people. And there's a scripture that talks about in the end days, the wealth of the sinner, and there's a lot of it out there, is going to be laid up for the just. And that's us. And so we'd better learn how to handle our finances in a godly way. So we talked about there's three ways to give. Tithing, Malachi 3, 10% of all your increase to the storehouse. The devourers rebuke, the windows of heaven are open. Offering, 2 Corinthians 9, um, talks about being a cheerful giver. Give what's in your heart to where you desire, but be certainly be led by the Spirit of God. And if you don't have one thing, lay up ahead. Paul talks about in Philippians how the Philippians laid up ahead money so that when he came, they could give it. The third way of giving is, let's look at Proverbs Chapter 19. I've tried to pick out what I think are the best scriptures that are most explanatory towards what we're talking about. Proverbs chapter 19. So we have tithes, offerings, alms. And it says in verse 17, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. And he will pay back what he has given. So God desires us to help the poor and needy when we can. And there's certain instructions that the word of God gives us. And one of the things, if you read this, it's he will pay back what, he, what you've given. So when you give to the poor, you don't expect him to pay you back. Don't hold it over him. Don't think that they have to suck up to you because you've given them something. Because then that takes your reward away. Your reward is that God will pay back. God will meet your need when you have a need and when the time comes. Um, Look over at Acts 24. There's several places in the word of God that it talks about alms acts 24 is paul speaking so we read one in the old testament this one's in the new testament this is paul and he talks about in verse 16 and 17 he says this being so i myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward god and man now after many years i came to jerusalem to bring alms and offerings to my nation Tithes you give off of all the increase. Offerings and alms you can save up and wait and give to when God puts it in your heart and where you see the need. So he Paul talks in other scriptures, like I said in Philippians, about laying up. 
In Matthew 6, 1 through 4, let me just read this one to you. This is a good one. This is Jesus speaking. He says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing, but your charitable deed may be a secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. In other words, if you see somebody that really has a need, just indiscreetly meet the need. Don't embarrass them. Just be a blessing to them, but don't lord it over them. Don't expect somebody to blow their trumpet for you. Just do it out of a heart for God and for a need for people. So, So we don't embarrass them, we don't humiliate them, we don't expect them to repay, God will do that. Um, Some examples, as you see people with a legitimate need. Now, it doesn't ever say to give to freeloaders. It says if you don't work, you don't eat. In other words, and there are people I understand have great needs. And we probably don't even see those magnitude of needs around here as you see in the cities and overseas but as as you see legitimate needs you want to be able to help with those then there's organizations you know we promote orphan grain train because they give so much they're such a good example because they're stewards of what they give they it doesn't all go to tv advertising it doesn't all go to big corporate salaries 95 plus percent of it goes right to where it needs to. So that's a way to give. Another way to give is we support, and I've been telling you I would talk to you about this. This church supports three missionaries. Now, we believe this is another thing with finances. I don't believe in just taking my seed and throwing it out there and scattering it. Five here, five there. It really accomplishes very little. We are very focused and deliberate in what we give. And so when we give to missionaries, we give to ones that are promoting the gospel, preaching the gospel, and helping people, and that are good stewards of their money. So we give to three. Mike Key's ministry, International, is the primary one that we give to. They are in the Philippines, or their ministry is in the Philippines. They have been stranded in Tucson, Arizona, ever since COVID. But he ministers to them. He's got all kinds of pastors over there. He's got a compound where they minister to orphans. They have a Bible school that he's been teaching online and all those things. We Last year, we gave him that ministry over $25,000 from this church. That's pretty significant for a church our size. And it was a little more than usual for a couple reasons. We knew he was stranded here and wasn't able to get out and minister. So whenever we had opportunity, we gave him over and above. Plus, when he came here and ministered, he almost always comes in September. We really blessed him this year. You really blessed him this year. So... If you, you can get on Facebook for Mike Key's Ministry International MKMI and you can follow him online. He does a, a weekly live stream. He's an excellent teacher. 
But that's where that money goes to. The second, and we give him the most because we, he has an apostolic ministry that we are, there's an accountability with us. He comes here. Um, if we have a problem, he's the man, okay, that we can go to. He has an apostolic ministry. We have a relationship. He has a relationship with you. So that's why he gets the most from us. The other one we minister to, and this one really is cool, and I put this in the back so you can look. It's Jeff Rogers Ministry, Child Legacy, and they are in Africa. And they do things like they they do wells. A big issue in Africa is water. And so they drill the wells. They keep the wells going. They have a school where they teach people how to farm, how to do body and fender, how to nurse so that the people not only, they're just not handing it to them, they're teaching them how to provide for themselves skills. They have a hospital. They've ministered a lot this year, 55,000 plus people treated. They delivered uh, 1,200 plus safe deliveries and they've given over 14,000 immunizations. They have a COVID-19 center. They also, he's actually in Malawi, but he had started in Zimbabwe, but um, they have a children's home there and work there. So that is the second one. The third one is we have a friend in Tulsa that has a, is a pastor of a church down there. His name is Stephen Ratode. He is from India originally, and he just goes on missions trips. So when he goes on a trip, we, we help and send money and help finance that. He's from India originally. He's got a prophetic ministry. Um, and Mike Keyes is actually in his church this week. So this is why I, one reason I told you all that. Every time you sow into the tithes and offerings here, there is always a percentage of that money that goes to them. So that there's always a flow. We always want to promote a flow. We want to, your money isn't just going. It goes to pay for the lights, but it goes to help people and preach the gospel around the world. And when you understand that, you can use your faith and get hooked up and realize that that even if you haven't given alms this week, those are considered offerings and alms. And they are going to help people, and they're going to preach the gospel. So we appreciate your generous giving. I, You know, like Mike Keys, they appreciate what you've done and understand that, that you give. And we appreciate that very much. So we are generous people. Uh, ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. I'm worthy, I'm chosen, and I know I've been redeemed by the perfect love of Jesus and the thoughts you have towards me. Matthew, please, chapter 24. 
Matthew 24. I see we got a lot of people missing today. Well, they're missing out. Amen. I want to uh, continue, and today we're going to talk about what constitutes false doctrine. False doctrine. And uh, so I'm going to get right into it. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 24. The first thing that constitutes false doctrine is satanic deception. And this is what we see in Matthew chapter 24. And look at verse 3. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age. Jesus answered and said to them, Now listen, because this is so important. Take heed that no what? No one deceives you for how many? Many. Not just some, just not a few. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Now I want to read to you, um, it's in this book, but Rick Renner wrote a book um, a few years ago. And it's entitled, Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. So by way of, of introduction today, and, and uh, I, let me read this to you because it has to do with deception. Jesus listed many signs that would indicate we were on the road to the end. But the very first sign he spoke to the disciples about, about contained a clear warning about wide-scale, worldwide deception that would emerge at the very end of this era. Jesus warned the disciples and us of the need to guard against that deception. In Matthew 24, 4, Jesus said, Take heed that no man deceive you. As Jesus began his discourse on the many end time signs to watch for, he listed deception first and foremost as a primary indicator that the conclusion of the age was upon us. Let's see why Jesus placed such emphasis on this sign, even above other specific signs of the times. Jesus warned believers that they must take heed. Everyone say, take heed. Take heed to guard against the deception that would characterize the end of the period. The words, take heed, were intended to jar and jolt listeners to get their attention. Kind of what I did today. As Jesus spoke the words, take heed, there's no doubt that the disciples perked up to really listen to what he was telling them. When he had had their full attention, Jesus warned them that as this present age comes to a close, an end times deception would attempt to infiltrate every part of society across the world. <coughs> the word deceive used in Matthew 24, 4 is translated from a Greek word that means to wander off course. It could depict an individual who has wandered off course or could even describe a whole nation and even vast numbers of nations that have veered off course from a moral position that once held to be true. What about this nation? Have we gone off course? 
It suggests a moral wondering on a worldwide scale at the close of this period. Let me try to help you more fully comprehend how this word deceive would be used in Jesus's time. In the Greek, this word depicts the behavior of someone who once walked on a solid path, but who's now drifting and teetering on the edge of a treacherous rock. How many of you with uplifted hands know somebody that's, that were Christian but now are off? This person is either already departed from his once solid path and has lost his bearings as a result, or he is in the process of departing from it. The word deceive means he's going cross-grain against all that was once a part of his core belief system. Sadly, he is now deviating from his former solid moral position to a course that is unreliable, unpredictable, and even dangerous. The word deceive tells us that there will be a mass divergence from time-tested biblical standards. By using this word in Matthew 24, 4, Jesus was foretelling that a moment was coming when society would move away from the long-affirmed laws of Scripture. Although he specified many signs to indicate the conclusion of the age, Christ declared that this mass divergence from truth and worldwide moral wondering would be the first foremost, and primary sign to alert us that the end was near. Does this ring home, folks? That is precisely why he named it first in his list of signs that would authenticate we've entered the wrap-up of the age. If you'll read on in Matthew 24, it talks about wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes. But he started with this. The words of Matthew 24, 4 are intended to let us know that those who live at the very end of the age will see moral confusion in society as a deception attempts to engulf humanity with misinformation about what is morally right and wrong. I think you can see that Matthew 24, 4 aptly describes what Christians are witnessing in a contemporary history. It is simply a fact that we are watching moral confusion rage among the civilized nations of the world as never before in our lifetimes. This confusion is perhaps no clearer anywhere than in the debate over gender identity. Should have, hear, should have heard Pastor Hank's teaching on that when he did the Noah series. It was excellent. A manifestation of confusion so severe that it stuns most thinking's mind, most thinking minds. The culture most of us knew as we were growing up was established on Judeo-Christian values, but now as the winds of change are blowing, we're watching as the world is rapidly departing from time-tested beliefs and traditions that are based on this, these biblical values as a result of this near abandonment of truth and throwing away of moral foundations Confusion abounds and society is teetering on a treacherous path, just as Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24. The spirit of this world is working furiously to eliminate all remnants of a godly foundation. Can you say amen to that? Remnants of a godly foundation from a society and to replace it with a last day's deception. That will ultimately usher in a time when the Antichrist rules a lost world for a temporary period of time. And when I was reading this, I was reminded of Psalm 11, verse 3. It says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Amen. 
The fact that you're reading this book probably means you're spiritually sensitive to what is happening in the world today. So you know well that there is an onslaught of deception attacking our culture from every direction. There is a new propensity to rationalize away truth and replace it with politically politically progressive thinking. (laughs) And unfortunately, like a sickness invades and sickens the human body, this end times deception is seeping into every part of society. This new mindset can be found in our schools, our government, on television, and in virtually all forms of art and media. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul also prophesied that a mass deception would occur at the end of the period as a precursor to Christ's return. In 2 Thessalonians 2.11, Paul specifically stated that at the conclusion of this period, a vast percentage of the population of the world would be controlled by delusion. In this verse, in 2 Thessalonians, the Holy Spirit prophesied that a last day's society worldwide will become beguiled, seduced, and duped. All of these words are contained in this word delusion. This prophesied period of deception will be so intense that people will believe what is false over what is obviously true even denying facts and truths that are common sense and that nature itself teaches. Boy, according to Scripture, this period of worldwide deception will occur at the outer rim of the era, marking a time when delusion will attempt to pervade every realm of society. Now, I, I thank you for letting me read that, but I couldn't have said that any better. That's where we're at. It's where the church is at, where this nation's at, where this world's at. So you've... To be forewarned is to be forearmed. So what have I warned you this morning? What's the first thing? Deception. Deception. We're talking about what constitutes false doctrine. Look at 1 John 4. 1 John chapter 4. One of the hardest things for a preacher is to try to, he's got so much. And he wants you to get it all. But I've learned I can't do all that in one Sunday morning. Many times you'll see me unhooked from a message when I wanted to give it all to you, but it's like i got to spoon-feed you just a little bit at a time. And that's what I'm doing right now. Look at 1 John 4. What a, this, is, this is a really good portion of Scripture to meditate on. We want to know the differences between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error in these last days, do we not? We want to know the difference between true doctrine and false doctrine, do we not? Well, here it says in chapter 4, it says in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Now, this is so important. But test the spirits. Say that with me. Test the spirits. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, listen. By this you know the Spirit of God... Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Isn't that simple? Doesn't have to be difficult. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children. And have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 
We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on the, resident on the inside of us. We have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And He's greater than Satan or any demon in hell. It says, they are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. Say, I am of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. A spirit is behind every prophet. A spirit, now listen, a spirit is behind every prophet. The spirit of Antichrist or the spirit of error, or you have the spirit of God who is the spirit of truth. Say, I have the spirit of truth. You and I must learn to test the spirits. This test is determined by a spirit recognizing or re rejecting Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior must come from a repentant heart. We all know that. And not just lip service. There are a lot of people out there that can talk the talk. They can sound religious but they don't walk the walk. It's all lip service. A true born-again believer will acknowledge Jesus' humanity. I got this out of my, my uh, Bible here at the bottom of the page. It's so good. A true born-again believer will acknowledge Jesus' humanity as our Savior, Redeemer, and also His deity as Lord and King. On the other hand, a denial of this truth reveals the spirit of the Antichrist. You don't need to turn it. Let me read to you in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9 through 10. It says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now listen to this. Every genuine prophecy is its testimony of Jesus. So when you hear someone prophesy or give a prophetic utterance, it should all point to Jesus. Whenever you listen to somebody, you know, teach from the Word of God, He is the Word of God. That's why today the church needs Teachers and preachers that teach and preach the word. I, I try to make an effort to give you more word than just me talking to you. That's why I, why I read scriptures. It's the word. And you shall know the truth or the word. And the word or the truth will set you free. You'll not be set free if you don't know the word. And the... Whenever you hear somebody, if you, in fact, I go through, I like to, I'm very interested. I found a, a really couple, there was one gentleman I was listening to last night that was clinically dead for an hour and 45 minutes. Do you think he had a testimony? And now he's traveling all the world, and he's a humble man, and it, it's good. But, but everything he does when he shares about it is from the Word. 
You can listen to a lot of experiences on YouTube that people have had, but if it doesn't point to Jesus, shut it off or go to someone else. Are you listening to me? Don't listen to people. I I can listen to a near-death experience, and, and, and I can tell you in a matter of seconds because I don't hear anything about Jesus. So you better make sure if you're listening to a teacher, a Bible teacher, he points to Jesus. If all he's doing is he's got his hand out asking for money for his ministry, turn the... Amen? It's, I'll say, it's all about Jesus. Amen. Dr. Hagen, where I went to school, he's gone on to be with the Lord many years ago. He said, this is how you tell the difference, whether it's the devil... The flesh or God. And it was so simple. He says, the devil, devil, if you're dealing with the devil, it'll make the hair stand on the back of your neck. And I've had the hair on the back of my neck stand up more than once. Then he says, if it's the flesh, it'll get, it, you'll have a sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. You'll just, but he says, if it's God... You'll have peace. Peace, which surpasseth all understanding. And I'll never forget years ago when we went to Sioux City to a meeting in a church. And the first time we went, we were um, in, the, in the service, and, and I didn't know a lot of the people. And the service, service was going on, and an and older man got up and he prayed. I don't know if he prophesied or he prayed. And he had to be back then. I'm sure he's gone on to be with the Lord. This is many years ago. And I was a young minister and it impressed me so. When he prayed, there was such anointing on his words. It was like God speaking. Then we went back another time. It was in the same place. And there was a minister up on the on the stage. He had a guitar. Just because you got a guitar doesn't mean you're, you know, (laughs) the real thing. And he was a minister, and he was going on and on and on. And all of a sudden, I just felt sick. It It just repulsed me. Well, what's that telling you? Was he in the spirit, or was he in the flesh? You can minister, you know. I had years ago, I was in a church, good church, and, and they had a guest speaker, and you'll remember this, and he was uh, <laughs> from Oklahoma, and he got up and he called us up, and he prophesied over us, and he said basically, and you'll go to Tulsa, and you'll come back, and you'll go to Tulsa, and you'll come back. And I'm thinking, what? He was speaking out of his spirit. Now listen, he was speaking out of his spirit, not the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that you recognize and discern. And if people give you scriptures or give you a word, you better make sure it's backed up by the word. And if you're married, you better make sure your mate's in agreement with what you heard. Because there's false teachers and false prophets out there that will tell you what you want to hear. Did you hear me? Not what you need to hear so 
You've got to be very discerning, and you can learn that. Um, how, let me ask you this. This is the greatest example, I think. Do you know what the Secret Service does besides guard the president? What else does the Secret Service do? <laughs> they do that. The government's good at doing that. Yeah, they're, they're good with investigations, but what else does the Secret Service do? What? You know, I'm just, I'm, I'll give you, can I give you a hint? Money. What do they do? Counterfeit. They, they look for counterfeit money. Secret Service does that. But how do they learn to spot the counterfeit money? By studying the real money. So how are you going to learn what's counterfeit spiritually? By studying the real thing. Amen? That's, that's what um, years ago... <laughs> minister spoke over us spoke over her he says this this is the exact words he said he was an older gentleman he says this chick's got radar this chick's got radar and i'll tell you what she does she has radar she has an ability to to tell whether it's right or wrong and if it's wrong she'll let you know it you got to learn to develop so many people mike is it's discernment. Mike is reading a book, and I, I should have, get some excerpts from that book. And the, the title of the book is The Gift of Fear. The Gift of Fear. And you think, God's not given us a spirit of fear. Well, you go through. Can you tell us in a nutshell what's the book about? You tell it. Get up and tell it. She says, tell the story. <laughs> what story? It mentioned about when it's the devil and the hair stand up on the back of your neck. When we first came here, there was a, it is, the church was a different name, had a pastor. And we, it was late on a Saturday night, and the pastor called and said, I had this distress call. Would you guys go take care of it? So we did. We were young and pretty dumb and it was there was a house where courtesy ford parking lot is and that's the house where jill cutchell was was taken from well that saturday night so we went there and there were rooms rented out and the one was the room we went to was way down in the basement there were like apartments and the distress call was from the last one and we went in we went in there down those steps and it was there were people peering out the door and talk about the hair standing up on the back of your neck. And this woman that we went and ministered to, she was definitely oppressed of the devil. And it was about a month or two after that that Jill Cutchell was abducted or whatever happened. And it came from that house, and then they tore that house down. But there was definitely demonic activity happening, and it was spooky. But if you know the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus, it was all right, but obviously... There was things going on there. Amen. 
So we got to learn, folks, to be discerning. Don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. You know, let it, think about this and say, does, does this line up with the Scripture? Is what he's teaching or saying? And, you know, listen, uh, Dr. Hagen used to say he'd had, he was a pastor of a church and then some great speaker would come to town and then all the people would want to go hear it. He'd say, that's fine, just go eat the hay and spit out the stubble. What good advice in saying, you can't go to that meeting. Well, you don't, shepherds aren't supposed to control your, the sheep. But go, but have enough sense to, to eat what's good, but reject what's bad. Don't just take everything you hear as, as the gospel. Because many times it's not. Amen. Look at Galatians 1. I'm almost done. I'll let you go. We're talking about what constitutes false doctrine. We've talked about the primary way in these last days is determined concerning how the enemy, the Antichrist, wants to deceive us. Then there's the perversion of the gospel. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6. Now this he's, You know why I love Paul? Did you know Paul was a type A? <laughs> Get right to it. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a what? Different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Pervert the gospel of Christ. There are people today, folks, out there that want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But, it, but he says, but even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, then what we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. Pervert means this, to turn about, to change, to reverse, to corrupt. So when you think of pervert, corrupts the best word. The word pervert means to transform into something of an opposite character. False teachers were turning God's true doctrine of salvation into an erroneous teaching that Old Testament laws were still binding upon Christians. They taught that Gentiles must be circumcised before they could experience salvation. This was a direct contradiction of what Paul taught that salvation was by grace through faith. Say that with me. Salvation by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it all. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone, lest anyone should boast. Salvation's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. You can't. You can try to earn it. You can try to work for it, but it's a free gift. And so here, what we had these Judaizers were coming through, and the church and teaching that you had to be follow Old Testament laws in order to be saved. And so what it was, and I bet the Apostle Paul was fit to be tied. I bet he was just angry 
Because he's preaching the true gospel. The only, there's only one gospel, folks. Amen? So, you know, we, we need to realize that, that today, do you know in, the, in days gone by and years gone by, if you were members of, of a certain church, you had to wear your hair a certain way? You had to dress a certain way? You had to act and talk and, and uh, amen. It's by grace we've been saved. It's grace. It's the grace of God. The grace of God is not a license to sin. But because once you know Jesus and, and you're in fellowship with him and you love him, you want to do everything in your power to please him. But you, you and I can't earn it. And, and this was what was happening. And we're, we're seeing perversion of the gospel today. There's a term called user-friendly where you come to church and we're going, we're not going to say anything that offends you because we want you and we want your money. It's the truth. But things are about to change. The true gospel is being preached. Amen? Now, now for the sake of time, I'm going to have this typed up. I'll have it next week for you. But I'm going to read this to you and then we'll close. These are characteristics of false teachers. Characteristics of false teachers. Number one, we learned they deceive many. Number two, they speak perverse things to build a following. Now, I have scriptures for all this, so just let me read it to you. They speak perverse things to build a following. Number three, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Number four, There's a distortion of God's grace. Number five, they have corrupt minds and they resist truth. Number six, they're proud and they promote strife. Number seven, and the rest of these are found in Jude, licentious behavior. They disrespect authority. They're greedy. They give empty promises. They stray from the truth they grumble and complain critical and divisive they're motivated for personal gain there's a big one right there what do they want money fame self-promotion they're good at promoting themselves And they flatter others to their own advantage. Look at the last scripture today. You've already seen 1 John 4. This is your attitude towards false teachers. Romans chapter 16. We gave you the first one. You're supposed to what the spirits? Test the spirits. Here's your other bit of advice on dealing with false teachers. This is your this should be your attitude. Romans 16 verse 17, the apostle Paul says, "Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned." Did you get that? Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and what? And what? So what should you do with people that cause division and offenses that 
goes against the true gospel or the true doctrine. You and I are to avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. So, in other words, don't be a a guppy. Amen? Don't be gullible. Don't just say, well, I, I receive that in the name of the Lord. That's the gospel. You better make sure it's the gospel. Now, what I give you today, the gospel, the truth, how to deal, what constitutes false doctrine, how to deal, and I'll, I'll have the scriptures typed up, and you can look at that in the days ahead. I want you to know, stand your feet this morning, would you please? I can tell you that my wife and I in 30 plus, 35 plus years are not in this for the money. His folks... Preachers, been years, same as they're about our age and been in the ministry that long too. They're not in it for the money. Mike, Apostle Mike Keys, <laughs> isn't in it for the money. Stephen Ratode isn't in it for the money. Jeff Rogers isn't in it for the money. It's all about Jesus. And we have to win others to Christ in the days ahead. Is everyone here? Let me see your hands. Is Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Is Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? Okay, put your hand down. Let's pray this prayer today. I want you to understand something. You can't earn your salvation. It's a free gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God the Father desires that all men be saved and come unto the knowledge of truth. By grace you've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So salvation's a free gift. And I want you to know today, going to church... Whether you're Methodist, whether you're Episcopalian, whether you're Catholic, whether you're a Lutheran, whether you go to Harvest Church, isn't going to get you through the pearly gates. Only personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Bottom line. Well, how do you get saved, preacher? Well, I already told you it's a gift. You receive it. Say you receive it. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes on the righteousness. With, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You believe with your heart. You ask Jesus to come live in your heart. And you confess with your mouth his lordship. Can we all do that today? Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation. Jesus, I ask you to come live in my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I confess of my sin, but now I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. Come live in my heart. I thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, Jesus I'm born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Mario Morello has said this, and I believe this. He said, preachers, he's an evangelist, you better get your salvation messages ready for the people to come in to the kingdom of God. Amen. Anyone today, and then I'll go, prayer for your body, you're sick. God wants you whole, spirit, soul, and body. We're all well. Don't be a guppy. Don't be a guppy. Say, look at your neighbor and say, don't be a guppy. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week.